Take your Bibles this morning. Let's do a little bit more preaching out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 24. Matthew in chapter number 24. I want you to see this and keep all that in mind, if you would, please. And if right now you want somebody to talk to you, you can just make your way even to the foyer. There'll be somebody there to greet you and we can get somebody even right now while it's on your heart, on your mind. I, I understand that. I've seen people walk the aisle before the service ever got started and and saying, I need to talk to somebody. And that, if that's you, then just, uh, there's men in the back, ladies in the back. And if you want to make your way back there, uh, they don't know what I'm talking about maybe, but you just go out there and you say, hey, what do I need to do to be saved? Somebody will hear you. <laughs> and uh, just like it was, the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And God saved him right there. And his whole house got saved as a result of that. So if you want, if you want to talk to somebody right now, I'm not saying leave the preaching unnecessarily, but if you, I mean, just right now, if you want to talk to somebody, just, just go to the back or come here to one of the sides and we'll greet you. You say, well, I'll interrupt the whole service. Don't matter. We just want you to know for sure that you're saved and on your way to heaven. Matthew 24 and verse number one, it says, Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. They were impressed with that. And Jesus said, said unto them, See ye all, not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of what? The world. What shall be the end of the world? And so what we've been looking at here in Matthew 24 has been Jesus' answer to them about when the, the temple would be destroyed. And, and we know now in history, it was destroyed in AD 70 under Titus uh, and Roman occupation. And then they asked, well, what's going to be the sign of your coming? And he explains the sign of his coming, the second coming, and then what's going to be the end of the world. Okay, so that right there just shows you, you need to know him as your savior because the end of the world is coming and he's coming. Okay, so now let me direct your attention to verse number 42. We'll take our text here from 42. What we're going to do is we're going to keep reading right into chapter 25. The chapter divisions are helpful, but sometimes the flow of thought actually goes on into the next chapter. Okay, so we're going to look at that into chapter number 25 and through verse number 13. Jesus says this, watch, ye th watch therefore, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, he says, be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the son of man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him what? So doing. Verily, I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom, what? Tarried. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then arose all, then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy, your, buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. Notice this. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Then Jesus summarizes this, and I hope you caught the bookends of this. Verse 42, he says, Watch therefore, you know not what hour the Lord doth come. Chapter 25, verse 13, he says, Watch therefore, for you need, you, ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. This morning I want to challenge you with this thought, the wise watch for his coming. The wise watch for his coming. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Let's consider that. The wise watch for his coming. <clears throat> Next Sunday, we'll welcome the students back, many of the returning students, second through fourth year returning students, and then we'll Welcome a host of brand new students to Heartland Baptist Bible College and Southwest Baptist Church. Looking forward to them being here. It's going to be a big Sunday. And, and uh, we moved here 20 years ago now. It's kind of hard to believe. We've been here 20 years in uh, Oklahoma City and at Heart, Heartland Baptist Bible College, Southwest Baptist Church. One of my very first responsibilities was overseeing uh, in the college class, overseeing the uh, door knocking efforts of the students. We send out, uh, well, of course, our church mobilizes and goes out as well. But the students go out and they knock on uh, people's door to invite them to church and give them the gospel if they have the opportunity how to know the Lord is their Savior. And, and so we load them up on buses and then we, uh, we drive them out. And so when I first came here, I didn't have my CDL, eventually got my CDL. And I began to drive and drop off students and I'd mark the map and show them on the map. Okay, I'm going to drop you off here at this part of the street. You knock all the way down this street and then I draw a circle here at the end of it and I'd highlight it for him and I'd say, I'll be back and I'll pick you up when you get to here. And then I drive and drop off about 10 more groups. So there's a lot of people moving around in that specific area. Uh, we were on our way back to church one uh, Saturday morning and <laughs> one of the groups said, hey, where's, uh, where's this group? <laughs> And I realized, oh yeah, I dropped them off 30 minutes ago or 40 
or an hour. I don't remember exactly how long ago, but I told him, I'll be back. And I, to my knowledge, that's the only group that I forgot, unless there's another group that's still out there waiting. <laughs> Years later. But sure enough, once I got back, there they were at the end of that street, right where I'd asked them to go to. And they were just patiently waiting. You know what the Lord has done? The Lord has left those of us here that know him as our savior. He has left us here to knock doors. He has left us here to invite coworkers. He's left us here to give somebody a track at the restaurant. He's left us here to give somebody an invitation to church, you know, at Walmart or wherever else we go because everybody needs to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And he's left us here. And I'll tell you what, he will not forget us. He will not leave us here. The Bible says he is coming again. And until that time, let's just keep doing what he told us to do and be right where he wants us to be. The Lord is teaching that to his disciples here. He's saying to them, not if I come again, but when I come again, I want you to be found faithful. Found faithful. Watch ye, watch ye. So many times he said, watch, that means this, be alert, be alert, be aware, be alert, look forward to my coming. Hey, by the way, believer, we look forward to the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is our blessed hope. It's something that we ought to look forward to. The Bible tells us that Jesus does come. And he, co he comes again in two phases. The first phase is known as the rapture. That's how we refer to it. The word uh, rapture is in the Greek side of that. It means to be caught up. Everybody that right now is on the face of the earth that is alive. If Jesus came by way of the rapture. If he came by way of the rapture, every believer would be caught up. They would be raptured out. The tribulation would begin. The seven-year tribulation, a literal seven-year period in which there would be three and a half years of peace and then three and a half years of just true tribulation upon the earth. By the way, believers, we have tribulation in this earth. We have suffering we go through troubles, we have trials, we have temptations, we have difficulties. And so I don't want anybody here to get the wrong idea. If I get saved, everything will go smooth. No, you get saved and things are going to get tougher because you're identifying with him. We will have tribulation, but thank God, in fact, praise his holy name. We wait for his son from heaven who hath delivered us from the wrath to come. That means this, we will not go into any part of the tribulation. We will be raptured out prior to the tribulation. And then the second phase of Jesus coming is this. It's sometimes known as the revelation. It's known as the second coming. It means this, that's when he comes in power and great glory. When he, when he comes to the earth and he's going to come to the Mount of Olives, where he's speaking right here in Matthew chapter 24. And that really is the bulk of, in fact, the entirety of what Jesus is speaking about here is the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 and then his second coming, not in the rapture. The rapture is described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and, 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 and other passages like that. But right here is very important that it refers to uh, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So Jesus' focus here is the 70th week. The last week, the week of seven, seven years, the, the time period of seven years, the tribulation. And so his focus in this chapter is on his second coming in power and glory. I'm just pointing that out again for us, because if you try to make this fit the rapture, then you're off. 
and, and you're going to be misunderstanding things. Now, there are things that we can learn. You might say, well, why are we covering this in if it doesn't pertain to us right now? Well, watch this. Jesus covered it with his disciples who lived back then at his time over 2,000 years ago. So if it was applicable to them then, it is applicable to us now. There are principles here. So Jesus is saying, listen, I will come in power and glory. There will be signs. Watch this. There will be signs within that last three and a half years, even though seven years, there will be signs that his coming is getting close. There are no signs for the rapture. That means you need to know him now. Because we don't know when he's coming again. We don't know when he's coming again by way of the rapture. And thus, there's no way to tell. No matter what theologian tries to tell you, he knows the day and the hour. Burnt. He got it wrong. They got it wrong. There's a long line of them that got it wrong. Hey, Jesus is not here telling us, get out your calculator and figure this thing out. No, he's telling us, keep your Bible open and understand that great events cast their shadows before them. And a lot of the things that we see going on here, it's just precursor to what's going to take place. And Jesus says, when you see the fig tree blooming and other trees, it wasn't just a fig tree, a reference to Israel. It was just a fig tree, like a real fig tree. When you see the blooms coming, then you know that summer is nigh. And he says, when you see these things and these things that he's talking about here are the things that he's described within that seven year tribulation period, three and a half years. When you begin to see all these things begin to take place then no, then no, he's coming is very nice, very close. That's what he's talking about. And then he says this, be ready. Watch ye, watch ye, be alert. So, so watch this now. We're, we're trying to tie into this. Watch this. If that is applicable to people then, that they need to watch and be aware and be in a right relationship with him, then doesn't it stand to reason that you need to be in a right relationship with him now? So what he does in our text is he gives three examples and he's demonstrating this. He's demonstrating basically two things. One is this. You don't know when all these things are going to happen. You don't know when his coming is going to be. It is it is unforetold it is it is in, in this way. It would be this. It is imminent. That means this. It could be at any moment that he would come by the rapture and then his second coming would come seven years later. You say, well, I think I could pinpoint that. He said you couldn't. So stop. Are we all right? He said, but if it's seven years, no, no, stop. Because you don't know the day, you don't know the hour. So it's an imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can happen at any time. The second thing that's in this text is a lot of accountability. Accountability. I want to come back to that thought. I just want it in your mind here as we keep moving forward. Okay. So he gives three examples. One of them is just showing, listen, you don't know when this is going to happen. One is this. If a man knew when a, man, when a, when a thief was going to come, he'd do something about it. It would be really nice if thieves made appointments. <laughs> I'm going to rob your house. I'm going to take your car. I'm going to do it on this day. I'm going to do it at this hour. I'd have the police there. Our house in the country got broke into uh, a good number of times. I don't remember how many times, but, but just being, you know, out there in the country, people take advantage of that. And, and so we've been broke into. My dad walked in on guy, two guys one time. He walked in uh, one entrance and went all the way back to the bedroom, knew something was up. They were in this room that was kind of in the center of the house. They went out that way as he came in. Okay, we didn't know they were going to break in that day. Otherwise, we would have done something about it. We got broke into like two in the afternoon. Many years ago, maybe uh, 18 years ago, 19 years ago, something like that. And, and we didn't know they were going to do that. 
Why? Because thieves don't tell you when they're coming. Right? But I'll tell you what we did as a result of that. The police officer very kindly told us, listen, if you will get a screen, a, a glass door for your front door, they won't kick that in because it makes too much noise. Check. We bought one. Installed it. And then he said an alarm system will greatly help you. We've had one for the last 19. Okay. Okay. Here, here's the idea. Because you don't know when, you've got to be constantly ready. You got it? Constant readiness is the only solution to this. Okay, so that's one illustration that he gives. The second one is this. Okay, if a man is a homeowner or a household owner and, and he's going to put a steward in charge and he says, listen, I'm going to go into a country and then I'm going to come back and I want you to take care of feeding the family. I want you to take care of taking care of all these chores. If that man goes away and maybe the, the coming return takes longer than he thought, what's this man to do? Here's what he's to do. Be faithful. Do what the owner told you to do. The steward is not the owner. The steward is there on behalf of the owner. I might remind you and I tonight, this morning rather, that you and I are not owners. We are stewards. We are stewards and our Lord told us that he would come again. And so we need, out of accountability to the one who owns us, we need to be faithfully doing what he gave us to do because he said he will come again. Our boys are at the age now where they can stay by themselves. That's exciting and scary at the same time. And we may say to them, okay, we want you to empty the dishwasher and we want you to do these other chores. It's amazing how fast they can get that done in the last 15 minutes. Isn't that right? You know, and uh, I don't always get, if we come home early, we don't give them an early text. Hey, you coming home early? Nope, nope. I want to see how it is when we get there. Right? Now in the text, the Bible tells us that there was another steward that was there and he was considered an evil steward or a wicked steward because he said this. He's not coming back. He's not coming back at least anytime soon. In fact, he said it in his heart. Maybe he's not even coming back at all. And so because he thought he wasn't coming back, maybe even at all, then he began to beat those other servants and he got drunk and he just kind of lived it up. Because, watch this, he got in his mind, delay equals cancellation. Hey, listen, folks, the Lord is delaying his, his coming, but don't count his, his delay from our perspective. By the way, it's not a delay from his perspective, but don't count his perceived delay from our perspective as, as that he's forgot or he's not coming. No, the Lord, the Bible tells us, is long suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. So he's giving people opportunity to be saved. He wants others to understand that they're a sinner. He wants you to understand that you're a sinner and that you need to trust him as your savior. And listen, it is, it is foolish to think that he's not gonna be true to his word. That man began to beat those other servants and to live it up. He was living, let me say it this way, he was living foolishly. Living foolishly. The third example. The third example is about these 10 virgins. Five of them were wise, Jesus said. Five of them were foolish. The virgins, um, these would be young ladies. This would, we would think of them as uh, bridesmaids. 
bridesmaids. They didn't, back in their culture and their time, they didn't have married women that were part of the bridesmaids. It was just the young women that were there to help the bride get dressed and help them to get ready and, and to watch, watch this, to watch for the bridegroom. Now, I've, uh, I've been in a, enough weddings to know that timing is everything in a wedding. Coordination. I've waited over here at this door. Some of you have seen me. I've got to the place where I don't, I don't care if somebody sees me looking down. I want to know when's the mom, last mom come in. You know, I just want, I don't want to mess it up. This girl's been dreaming about her wedding for sec, since second grade. So I don't want to mess this up. You know, I'm watching and, and listening, you know, for the change of song so that we come out, come up those stairs and, and I come in and take my place and he comes and takes his place. But in Bible times, watch this, it wasn't this, it wasn't, here comes the bride. That's our culture. Here comes the bride, you know, with a young man pulling a wagon, two little babies in the, that was the most recent one, right? And here comes the, here comes the bride or some little kid holding a sign. Here comes the bride or the, the flower girls coming and dropping the flowers. I never forget on the way out, one of them had, thought she was supposed to pick them all back up and it took a little <laughs> extra time. In our culture, it's here comes the bride. But in their culture, it's this, here comes the groom. Because what the groom would do is he would build a home for them or make a home for them. And then on their wedding day, then he would go to the house of the bride and get the bride and take her to the place that he prepared for her. Now that'll preach. And so now it's not, here comes the bride, but rather it's this, here comes the groom. The bridesmaids were supposed to be watching with their lamps. Okay, so in their time, they didn't have, um, they didn't have clocks and watches and, and things like we have. And so they would, they would just have to be on alert, you know, for when, when the groom was going to come. Um, their culture was not as time conscious as our culture is. A little bit more laid back. He told you what day, he didn't tell you what time. So they would just know he's coming, but it may be on his own time. It is the prerogative of the groom as to when he knows it's ready. So the bridesmaids would have been there and they would have had their lamps. We picked this up in Israel. So, I mean, it is authentic. Okay. I don't know. Theirs may have been larger than this, but this has the little wick in it. It's got a place here where you can put uh, some olive oil or something. And so as long as it has oil in it, I actually read on this that it'll last for about two to three hours, even this, this with the olive oil and such. And so I haven't tried that in the office yet, so probably shouldn't. But anyways, um, they'd have these lamps because maybe the bridegroom's going to come in the, in the night. And so they had their lamps, five of them, had the lamps and an extra vessel with oil. Five of them just had their lamps. And they figured this, it'll be enough. And they did not come prepared. They're there and they went to sleep. Well, I mean, actually, there's not anything wrong with that. They were just resting. And so somebody announced, the bridegroom comes. <laughs> what, music started or what? I don't know. The bridegroom, he's arrived. So then they all wake up, they trim their lamps, which just simply means that they got them ready. And, and five of those foolish, foolish virgins, they said to the five wise, hey, you got some oil I can borrow? No, no, no. I, if I give you my oil, then I won't have enough to make it. Because then what they would do, watch this, is they would go in a procession through the city to the home that he'd built. And there they'd have a feast. 
There they'd have sometimes a seven day feast. And all the dads here felt relieved about just doing one reception meal. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes in a rehearsal, I've seen some preachers when they go on just the rehearsal as the bride comes down, you know, and you were supposed to say, you know, who gives this woman to be married to this man? The, the pastor, I've heard him say, and who's pays for this wedding? <laughs> Her mother and I, right? So, yeah, but here's seven day feast or more. Well, the five foolish ones said, hey, you got to give me some oil. I'm going to run out. And the five wise ones, they weren't being cruel. They were just being honest. If I give you oil, I won't have enough to get all the way to the house or for right now. And so they said, go, go to Walmart. <laughs> or go to the store. Go buy oil. And you better hurry, but go. And so they're frantically going. Well, by the time they get back there, then the, the bridegroom's already left. And those brides, those five bridesmaids, along with the bride, have already left. And so then they get to the house. And the Bible says this. And when they got there, then the door was shut. That indicates this. The opportunity that you have is limited. Just as it was in the days of Noah, that when the flood began, before the flood began, the door was shut. The opportunity, listen very carefully right here, the opportunity to be saved was over. The door was shut. And then, then those five bridesmaids, the five foolish ones, the five foolish ones who knew that his return was imminent, but they disregarded the accountability that they had. Those five said, Lord, Lord, open to us. They speak directly to the bridegroom. You say, well, surely there's somebody else that was there to let them in. No, no, no. Jesus is not teaching about what happened in an actual wedding ceremony. He's teaching a bigger picture about what happens at the end of time. And he's showing that, listen, you may cry out, Lord, Lord, let me in. But then it'll be too late. It'll be too late. And he says, I, I know you not. You say, well, how is that? I mean, surely a bridegroom would know the bridesmaids. Um, not even today. <laughs> no, I, okay, I'll give them a little bit more credit than that. They probably didn't know the bridesmaids. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Again, he's not, he's not saying this happened like this. He's saying this. There's a bigger picture here. I know you not means this. Listen. I do not recognize you among the saved. I do not recognize you among the redeemed. This goes all the way back to Matthew chapter 7, how that those that were very religious said, Lord, Lord, did not we do this in your name? And did not we this in your name? And the Bible says, he said, I never knew you. In other words, there was not a true relationship there. And thus, their opportunity to be saved was over. I think you can see the point in all this, that He wants to save you, and He wants a relationship with you, and He's able to save you. But you have to realize He's coming soon. He's coming at an undisclosed time, his coming is imminent and it is foolish. Listen there. It is foolish. It is foolish to disregard the imminent return of the one with whom you have accountability. I said it is foolish to disregard. It is foolish to take lightly the, the imminent return of the one with whom you have to do. 
It's foolish. It's foolish that you're not thinking clearly to say, I've got more time or it's not a big deal. It's foolish to disregard the imminent return of the one to whom you are accountable. So today, if you're not saved, I implore you on God's word that today you would walk the aisle, that you would not put it off another day, that you would not say, well, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to, what, I don't want to worry about what people are going to think about it. Oh, listen, friend, you are among friends here that want to see you saved, that want you to know for sure. You say, I'll wait till later. No, listen, we don't know that you've got it later. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just simply saying, he's coming soon. Amen. And it's foolish to disregard the imminent return of the one with whom you have accountability. Believers, can I apply the same to you as well, to you and I? It's foolish for us as believers. Although we know we're saved and we're on our way to heaven, that doesn't change. It's foolish for us to disregard the imminent return of the one with whom we have accountability. You say, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, it's even possible for believers to live and act like the Lord and His coming is secondary to everything else you got going on. But that's not wise. That's not living in life. Wisdom means you have knowledge and you apply it. We have knowledge from His Word. And, and we ought to apply it, namely this, He is coming again. And I need to, I need to be prepared for that. I need to be living today as though he could come today. If you knew he was coming today, would that change some things? Brother Gene Staten's brother, who's with the Lord now, told me about, first wanted to tell me about a man named Mel Fisher. Some of you know the name Mel Fisher. Mel Fisher, um, for 16 years, sought for the Atoka. The Toka was a Spanish vessel that, that went down in 1622. And for 16 years off the coast of Florida, for 16 years, Mel Fisher and his family, his sons and family, sought for the Atoka every day, every single day. And he had this saying, actually he's famous for this saying, some of you might know it, today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. No treasure. He'd wake up the next day and he'd say this, today's the day. Nope. The next day, today's the day. Not that day. But on a day in 1985, he found the Atoka. Today's the day became the day. And over a half, half of a billion dollars, $450 million, nearly a, a billion dollars worth of gold, silver, and precious emeralds he found. Today's the day. Ever since Jesus left this earth and he said, I'm coming again, believers who care about his coming have been saying this, today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. But listen, he hasn't come. What if it were today? You and I could say, today's the day. You know, every, every day we ought to live, we ought to live in light of the fact today could be the day. 
Today's the day. And someday somebody's going to say that and it is going to be the day. Now, he wouldn't have known it was going to be the day. But he's living like it is the day. That's wisdom. In light of what Jesus said, that is wisdom. To live every single day in light of his sure coming. Today's the day. Well, I don't know for sure that today is the day. But I do know this. It is the day of salvation. It is the opportunity for you to be saved. It is a day also for those that are saved to get things right with him and live as a faithful steward rather than a foolish one that says, ah, he's not coming again. I'm going to live how I want to live. That's foolish. One more thought. That parable of the 10 virgins illustrates this. Preparedness is an individual responsibility. I can't be prepared for you. You can't be prepared for me. You can't be prepared for other people. It's everyone here needs to be prepared. Are you ready? What if this were the day that you stood before the Lord? What if this were the day that you stood before Him? Because someday, either by death or His coming, we will stand before Him. Are you ready to stand before Him? Let's stand together here this morning. Let me ask a couple questions here this morning as we prepare for invitation. With every head bowed and eye closed, let me ask, how many of you would say, you know, you asked that question, would you be ready? By God's grace, because I trusted him as my savior, I can say, yes, I am prepared. I am ready. I've trusted him as my savior. Would you raise your hand to that? Praise the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing. If you couldn't raise your hand right then, but you would raise your hand to this. If I die today, I don't know that for sure, but I am concerned about it. I'm not prepared Is that you? Would you raise your hand? Just acknowledge, yes, I'm a sinner. I remember doing that as an eight-year-old boy. And thank God he'll save children and adults and senior adults. Is anybody here today that say, preacher, pray for me? I don't know that for sure, but I am concerned. Based on what you've said today, I'm not prepared. Would you just raise your hand? Yes, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. I need to be. I want to be. Anybody else while I wait just a moment? How many believers would say, Preacher, I haven't been living in light of His coming? Would you raise your hand to that? I haven't been living in light of His coming. Yeah, God bless you. Let's get that right with the Lord today. Would you do that? Yep. Those of you that raise your hand indicating you're not ready to stand before the Lord, we'd like to help you. Take some time, some extra time just to show you from God's word how to, how to trust him as your savior. I'm going to ask you from where you are just to come here to the front. There'll be men at the front, ladies at the front if you're a lady. Just let somebody take you aside and show you, show you from God's word how you can trust him as your savior. I'm going to pray and then the music's going to begin and you just step out. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. That's not our goal. But we want to help you to know the Lord as your savior. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to consider these things today. Thank you for the music that, that really just communicated and 
proclaim the gospel even ahead of time, that we're sinners and there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. You are coming again, dear Lord, and I thank you for that great assurance. And I pray for anyone here today that needs to step out to trust you as their Savior. I pray for believers today that also need to come and, and to begin to live in light of your soon coming. And we say with John, even so, come, Lord Jesus, we pray in, in your name. Amen.